When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. And Club Marine, need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine. Here's your hosts, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Hello, mate. It's uh, great to be here as usual. and got Wonderful pre- to be here, Redmond. It's uh, peak snapper season. It's it kicked, is. It's kicked in now. Today is all about snapper. We've been holding... The redfish. I thought, they were, I thought we were going to be talking about them a month ago. You did, you did say that. You're all supposed to be the expert on this show. It was the second mistake I've ever made. First one was the mistake I thought I made and didn't make, and that was the second. So I do apologise. <laughs> uh, it doesn't happen often. No, it's a little bit disappointing because we all thought the season was going to start off... Well, it, sorry, the season did start off. How good was our early yeah, autumn? It was. Yep. Into, it was just sensational. Well, and I thought we were in... Spring come and we're yeah, screwed. <laughs> I thought we were in for just an incredible summer, and then it got freezing. Very quickly too. So let's talk about it from the very beginning then. So what do you need? As we head into the Christmas period, people are going to have, most people, depending on what you do with work, you're going to have a few weeks off. Um, What do you need? Let's talk hook, line, leaders, sinkers, and obviously the rod and the reels. What's the minimum that you can fish for snapper with? So there's a rod review coming up in Red's Review. So nice. we're going to talk. We're not, we're not going to talk about rods. We're going to do a whole review on what rods to use and reels for them. So, so we're not talking about that. I was getting it. okay. Sorry. So, no, but we can talk about how many rods we use. So I like to use six rods for snapper. Yep. And then one or two at the side. And what I mean by that is, in the bay to catch. You're not fish, holding these fish. This is this is one of the things that I learned when I first started fishing with you. I was like holding the rod. rods. Yep. But if you want to fish for maximum efficiency, catches. Yep as many as you possibly can, for the placement of them. It's really important to, one, have snapper racks yep. so you can perfectly space them, but the other thing is to actually use them. Yep. So the the spread of your line and baits doesn't tangle. It's crucial what you just said to cast them out in the right spots. And during the week I fished uh, and it was a little bit windy, so I backed down to four rods. Yep. So I start with six. and then what So I'd perfect do, day is six? Yeah, if I've got six, three on each side yep. and then in the – then I'll have my straight up and down rod. So they're on a Patnos rig with a sinker. The rest are all as close to unweighted as possible. Literally just a silver whiting or a pilchard on a snout hook. Bit of squid on a single hook. Maybe a size zero. So unweighted, how quickly is that going to drop through the water Yeah, it's column? not quick. So it's not that quick, yep. but you catch 10 times more fish like that. Yep. When the snapper are on, they eat everything. Yep. But when they're not, they catch a lot of fish, just these snail rigs, right? Yep. They catch a lot more fish. So... How we approach the days, if we're on a beautiful day, we say we're heading out today and it's blowing five knots, wind and tide together, 
I'll 100%. Six rods are out, and then I'll have the two out the side. Yes. Unweighted, and you just lay properly. And make sure that... I like to recommend one person that casts the rod out. And just rotate each rod if you want, if you really want. I don't care who casts them out, but if someone wants to cast them out, rotate. Because what happens is... You want the consistency Yeah, you just the want cast. the consistency. You know where your yep. baits are. Yep. If I cast my three out there, then you wind the middle one in, then someone goes, else comes in and... Launches it. It goes over the top, then all of a sudden you've got tangles, and you're fishing unweighted, so your line's are laying in the middle of nowhere. Yep. So it's about the technique of actually setting your spread correctly when you're fishing in Port Phillip Bay and there's non-tidal waters. Because you don't really know where the baits are as such. Sometimes they look like they're straight and all of a sudden you wind the tension and they're down to the right. So it depends where they are. Now, the hooks that we need, I like running 6.0 Gamagatsus, just your octopus. You can run circles if you like. I've moved to... I used to be a dead circle man, but I've changed to straights now. Yep. Uh, just lost a few fish on circles in the deeper water. Uh, I find that when you're running sinkers and for gummies and offshore snapper, they come up and they nail them and they scream off. When they're unweighted with a circle, I don't know if they're a little bit funny with them and they don't quite mouth them all properly, but I like the straights and when they run, I strike and try and pin them. As soon as I get a few fish, I'll then rotate to circles. Circles, yep. yeah. So um, so what's that attached to? What size mono and, yep. and then line are you using? So as an all-rounder, 40-pound line. Yep. 40-pound uh, leader, I should say. And snailed rigs with those six O hooks that I mentioned, six O gammas, and, and then, then the length of that leader, yeah, about a meter, yeah, yeah, to ruffle, give or take, yep. one point two nine hundred, like just roughly a meter and a bit. That's all you need. Uh, I run braid. I can't stand mono, as we know. Yes, uh, a lot yep. of people do run mono in the bay for the tangling reasons. You can just cut it, retie, and braid is a prick. But if you set your rods out like we just spoke about. It should alleviate it should, that. Like I've, yep. We get tangles, don't get me wrong, but we don't get a lot, enough to deal with. Now, obviously the, the benefit of braid is the rod, or the line rather, it doesn't have the give that mono does. So it's far more accurate with, hang on, I'm getting a bite on. Know, rod three yep. or rod six yep. or whatever it is you've got you might have your mono there there's, there's going to be a bit of bend there and that a little bit of stretch that obviously helps with a little bit of a buffer for when those fish kick and it helps the drag but yep. it's not like you're getting meters and meters of extra stretch the, the fight as well on braid is just unbelievably nicer you can feel every tail beat yep. line pulling yep. the mono you got to be careful when using mono that the fish doesn't stretch an elastic band out of the water and hit you in the face. So be a bit careful there. D- does that help with the... And I know you, you spoke about this on last week's show, funnily enough, but you spoke about the drag. Yes. And using the drag to your advantage and not actually fighting the fish when it's taking drag because that's not helping anything. That's when you're going to pull hooks and do silly stuff is yeah. when you're pulling against it. And you're so hot. you can feel that with braid, obviously. You feel everything. Yeah, it's unbelievable. There's no stretch in it, minimal. So yep. it doesn't. It just it's all in your favour, in, in my opinion. Uh, the small sinkers is what I mentioned before. So it's three ounce or a four ounce on your straight up and downs, and then all your rods out the back. I pretty much don't go bigger than a one size one ball sinker. Right. It's small. It's like your pinky nail. And is that just running? Like yeah. Just so I just run it, through, run it on that forty pound leader. So I'll yep. have three with that and three without. Yeah. So, but it's not fixed. It just no, runs. It just runs up. But it I, you can. Put a half hitch when you put your silver whiting on yep. and half hitch it to the fish. Is that what you it. recommend? Uh, yes, I, you can do it. I don't, I don't think any way works better in my, in, that, in my opinion. I think it all works pretty much the same. When they're yep. feeding, you're pretty good. Uh, now, your sonar, that's a big thing. So I run the Simrad with a 175 high-wide transducer, which is the best all-round transducer you can get. It does everything that we need to do in shallow water right up to marlin. And the pitch is sensational. The high-wide, you get a nice big beam and you can pick up Fish very, very good in Port Phillip Bay and the likes. Now, you, so I won't do you fish have to take, I find fish. Do you have to take 
your because I'm a bit of a automatic setting sort of guy. Yep. So anything you buy off the shelf. Yep. How much do you need to play around with this yep. in order for it to really accurately, you know, um, review sound the bottom? Like, how much do you need to actually go through your settings and change it in order for it to be more accurate? Simrad, the one at Lawrence, even Garmin and the likes, you pretty much run them. And yep. So they're pretty, pretty good much, from, they're, they're from very out good. of the shelf. They're yep. very good. Yep. I'll get on and change a few things. I'm not going to get into it here because every boat is different regarding transducer positioning, yeah, okay. all the likes. Mine, yeah, so that's interesting. It's not one size fits all. No, it depends it, where it's it, put. It is to an extent. Like you pretty much auto on a Simbra is going to do you so much work. Yep. But I do a lot of stuff to it when I'm sounding. I change colours out of my unit. So I try and get rid of all the crappy colour. I get my gain up nice and high to give me a crisp picture so I know exactly what I'm looking at. Yes. So there's different ways I like to do it. But more importantly with the sounder side of things, don't fish unless there's no point of fishing unless there's fish. And with technology and our electronics these days, we know when there's fish. Yep. So I... If you go out and you sound for an hour and you haven't found a fish, don't just throw baiting on nothing. Go for an hour and 10 minutes because that extra 10 minutes, you might find the fish and that'll instead of catching nothing for three hours, you'll catch your fish in half an hour. <laughs> like yeah. it, yep. it, it works to your advantage so, so much. Your sounder is your best friend. When to anchor, that's a really crucial one. I like to find fish and then anchor, obviously, like I said before, but uh, you need to get your positioning right. So there's no point of anchoring, marking the fish up, anchoring and falling back and the fish are 100 metres in front of you. Like, you need to work out which way the wind's going and where the, tide, the tide's going, where you're going to sit. And you want to have the fish where your baits are. You don't want to have them under your boat as such. You want to have them 15 metres behind you. Try to get that patch behind you. We're 15 metres, so you've got your nice angle of your lines out in the snapper racks, and the fish yep. are sitting behind you. You'll catch a lot more fish that way. If you're sitting on top of them, it's a little bit harder to get your baits to them because you're casting your baits out 20 metres behind the boat. You've spoken so much about the use of bait for snapper. How, how often... Do you, can you yep. use soft plastics for, for catching snapper? Every time. You can use it every time. Yep. They work really, really well. I think bait will always outfish it, yep. but it will. But like Lee Rayner, he's been using his plastics and his octogy-like things all through the bay. Gwaine's been doing it. Like there's been, there's a lot of fish getting caught on plastics. In Geelong, there was some good fish on plastics. Yep. They work really, really well. Yep. You need to match the jig head to the depth you're fishing, to the size of the hook, to the plastic, etc. Yep. But you'll get fish on it. But That's obviously about the fall rate of the soft plastic. Yeah, 100%. So if you're in 22 metres of water, you're not going to fish a one-eighth jig head. Yep. You, it's going to take too long to get down. Where yep. If you're only in, say, six metres of water, use a one-eight or a one-six. Like, it depends. You might go up to a, a quarter, three-quarter jig. Like, it depend, depends where, what depth you are. You just need to adjust. Now, the baits I like to use, squid's my number one bait. Always has been, always will be. Yeah. Silver whiting's great. You're using that as squid strips, obviously. Squid strips and rings. <laughs> yeah, okay. Rings are yep. great. And squid heads. Squid heads are great. Uh, they always. How, how are you rigging a squid head? So you can run two hooks in it or one. So you can run the snail hook. So you pin it through where, I guess, the head meets the guts as such. That's where I cut it. And you have one through the middle there, like in the top crown of the head, and then through a ten- with the bottom hook through a tentacle. Yep. That's pretty much how I'm setting those. Flick your baits out, silver whiting, pilchards, they're my starting three. I might have a salmon, I might have a trevally, I might have a yach, yak, a chunk, along the, whatever I throw out, I might have by the end of it. But I start with those three. Silver whiting, pilchard, and squid, they're the three I'd always start with yep. and play from there. The rigs, we're running snelled rigs and we're running the Patnoster rig. Single hooks and a single hook rig. So there's three rigs, not hard to do. Snelled, one with a single hook with a sinker, little pea sinker, and then you've got your standard Patnoster rig, which is your hook up off the bottom and your sinker on the bottom. 
Yep. So very, very simple. So there's times to fish them as well. Try and time it sunrise, sunset, they're your bite times, and also your tide changes. So if you're, for, in, for instance, say you're fishing this afternoon, say just as making this up as we go, there's, say there's a tide at 7 o'clock, yep. dark's at, say, 8 o'clock, you sort of got two bite times there, but I wouldn't be moving in that time frame where if I went out at 3 o'clock... I'd so you've got to be patient, you're saying? No. I'm saying you need to be smart when to be patient. So what I'm saying is if you head out at 3 o'clock, you start sounding, you mark fish up, yep. fish them, I'll give them 15 minutes. Gotcha. If I don't get fish, I'll move. Yep. All of a sudden, it's 3.30. I'll move to the next patch, find another patch, fish them. I'll give them 20 minutes, 10 minutes, two racks of rods, move. I'll move. Then all of a sudden, that tide changes at 7. I'll make sure it's 6 o'clock. Wherever I've found the most fish, You'll I'll go, go sit there. Yep. If I haven't caught fish, I'll Will go you sit anchor on up on that? Always anchoring for these snapper in the bay. Yep. yep. I'll anchor, and then I'll just sit because of the bite time coming. And I'll let that tide and let the dark play a role, and you've got to hope that they feed. So always be prepared and set up. For a tide change, don't be moving on the tide change, etc. Sit, don't make sure you you're in. Make sure you're in the spot that you want to fish for that tide change. Don't be moving around. Yeah, move around the lead ups to it, like before and after it, and keep moving. Keep trying to find active fish. That's what I like to do. Very active fishermen, the way we fish snapper. I don't just sit and hope. I'd rather catch ten fish and keep trying to find those fish than just maybe catching one just in sit. four hours. Yes. So that's yep. how I like to approach it. So different ways to do it, but that's the best way that I like to be to chase snapper is keeping as active as I possibly can and then, of course, going from there. And that's pretty much a full review on snapper, as much as I could give. The way that you attack it. Uh, your week in fishing, is there anything that you that you caught that, that made things easier? One of the things that we had um, Last thrown week. through our socials and, and questioned was around timing because you obviously plan your week. Fishing is what you do. Yep. So your work is fishing. So you, you plan your days around. I'm going to, with these weather conditions, I can go fish this. Um, you know, if it's a poor weather day, well, sometimes you don't fish. Now, for those, for most people, they don't have that same luxury around planning. You know, their day off is their day off or their half day. Yep, Saturday's their Saturday. Saturday's their Saturday. So when you don't have that tide change, when you don't have that right moon phase... Are there things that you can do, and this question was centered around whiting, um, but I might, yep. I might um, lengthen it to calamari as well. Is there things that you can do to, to give yourself the best chance when the tides aren't matching up, when the moon phases aren't matching up, when there mightn't be the dirty water that you so often talk about being so important for catching and getting a good catch of whiting? You need to, be, just accept, you need to accept the fact that things are going to be harder. Generally, you just need to go out with a mindset that it it's might not, be we're very not tough. 40 today. We might not get 40, but we might get 20, and that's good. Yep. You're going to be happy with that. So, if you're heading out, it's clear water, you're on that moon, the tides are crap, and you're heading out for a whiting. That's not, you want to catch a whiting, but it's not a very good time. Yep. My opinion would be is there something else that you can catch that's yep. going to be better? So, for example, this time of the year. Or that doesn't we, rely on the, the you know, current change or whatever. Something like it is. a squid. Yep. Clear water, no tide, squid, have they dropped new eggs? Is that an option? Yep. Or is it an option maybe whiting right? Do we, don't, do we, we've got all day today. Yep. We're not going out first thing in the morning at 10 o'clock. Sorry, we're not going out at 10 o'clock. Why don't we go out late afternoon when the low light comes in? Late afternoon. And we've got more chance of probably getting fish. Yes. Don't just go, if you've got the whole day, you, if that's your day off and you can fish any time, yep. do the lawns in the morning and then go out in the afternoon. Yep. Try and put everything in your advantage. So whether it's the bigger tide whether it's the late afternoon light, the, the sun dropping. So 
there's always going to be factors on every single day that can implement that you can implement to help you catch more fish. If you're chasing a snapper and it's not the conditions, you've got wind, for example. Be smart. Where's the wind pushing on shore? Yeah. Where's it been blowing into? Can we get somewhere near there? Is it worth going land-based instead and casting off St. Leonard's Pier that are catching hundreds of snapper right now instead of putting the effort of the boat in, but yep. you've got to fish at 11 o'clock at night because you want the darkness to cover. So there's all different things you can do. It's yep. just a matter of how much you want to do to catch fish or are you happy just being out there and trickling fish in. So it's a fine line and a fine balance. On well, Obviously, the other balance to that is, you know, I want to catch four or five different species versus, no, 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 this is the day... This is the best yeah. chance versus trying to be a master of all and oh, getting nothing this right. Is, this actually kills me a little bit, and I apologise to anyone that's asked me this, but like, so I'll get a, a, a message, guy will go to me, can we do a guide? I want to do snapper and gummies and squid for the day. And I'm like, doesn't work like that here. Yeah. Like in Port Phillip Bay, we can't just go catch snapper and gummies in one spot. Can you stop talking like, about me? <laughs> sorry, Patrick. <laughs> but basically, it, it's I'll target something. If you want to yeah. do a guide, it's four or five hours on the snapper, I'll spend as much as information as I can actually to actually go how through to, how yes. to catch these fish, and then can we not just a, catch you as many fish as possible? And, yeah. and at the end of the tide, we might be able to do squid on the slack water. Yeah. But like, you can't just go do gummies because if I want to do snapper and gummies, I'm trying to get that same time that I'm trying to get for that two and a half, three hours of that tide. That I want to be for the gummies. Yes. Can you do it in six hours? Yeah, you probably can start to because you'll fish one tide, the start of the snapper, and then maybe snapper on first light, and then move into the gummies in the deeper water off St. Leonard's for the backside of the tide. But I don't want to do that because you're taking all these different rods and I'm confusing people. Yeah. But yeah. if you're going out for a day out all day, like you'll see photos of me. I'll head out in the snapper. I'll get my snapper first thing in the morning. I'll come back, get my whiting, and then I'll get my squid. I'm out there for six hours. Yeah. But I've fished a snapper on sunrise and they've gone nuts. Yeah. I've come back. The tide's running beautifully for which these speaks, whiting. Which speaks to timing your day and, yep. and what's fishing at the at the, at the, at yep. the appropriate time. What's going to respond to tide? What doesn't matter with dirty water and There's, what loves clean water? You just need to – all I can say to you is if you're heading out, put everything in your side, whatever it is, and you go back to the whiting that you said from the start. If you've got all Saturday all Saturday, and you've got a moon in the afternoon you've got the crap tides, but the morning's got a better tide, spend the time on that bigger tide in the morning. Do the lawns in the afternoon because that's going to be your best chance in catching a fish. Or in your case, never do the lawns. We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this morning, all for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best full drive seat covers with protection like no other. You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. And Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for the whip around for Mildura unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Now, one of the more interesting things that we see through New South Wales, well, through Victoria as well, but just the navigating of, uh, of bars, and we've seen you know, through the week, but it, it's through pretty much every week, of boats that, that come a cropper on, on bars right up and down the eastern seaboard of New South Wales. Um, Whilst it's humorous to watch Redmond, it is one of those things that can be incredibly bloody dangerous. Yes. Um, have you ever come a cropper on a bar? I know you've nearly the flipped rip. That. The rip nearly got me once. Yeah. Just once. Um, 
pretty happy with that. Just once out of all the times I go through there and through the Barren River. Because uh, no, I've never come. No, I've never come other than the rip, which entrance bar as such. No, I haven't. What What's the most? But I don't put myself like, in a spot to come up to often c- either. Yeah. I mean, if I think of Victoria, I think of like the most dangerous bodies of water. Obviously, Port Phillip would be number one because of yep. the volume. But then you, but then you look at, um, you know, you head to Gippsland and you go like Lakes Entrance. That can be an Pretty incredibly yep. dangerous bar. We know, you know the, the stories of Noosa and the the entrance there. Um, yeah, it, it is one of those things. Is it? Is it just more? Is it time on the water that's going to help you navigate bars, or is oh, it, is it going out with charters? Is there things you can learn with the way that they do things? You just you need to follow the basic steps of a bar. So like you need to time, you need to you need to observe waves. So like you can't just look at a bar and go, oh, it's six to eight foot today. We're going to be able to time this gap and get out. Just don't go out. Yeah. Well, it's nothing's worth flipping your boat for and potentially dying. I'd hold off. But if you've got a little bit of swell there, you'll get a gaff in it. And just yep. stand on the lookout at Naruma and just watch it for a bit. Yeah. Just yep. spend the day that day, like that morning. Don't go out in the dark. Just have a look at it and <laughs> observe it. But coming in's the easy bit, I'll be honest with you. Coming in yeah, is easy. Sit on the back, sit on the of, back the wave. of the wave and you just don't follow have one to race it anything in. Look, I've I have i have not touched wood, I'll say this, and I'm probably gonna fish the bar this afternoon. <laughs> so hope it doesn't happen. But I've haven't come close to anything happening on the way in. On the way out, I've had a few waves come up on me and I've copped a few green waves going out of the river and you'd be shocked in what a boat can take. It can actually take a, a lot more than you think it can take. Driven well. Driven in being having your boat in the right position. And that's yep. what I was getting to the point of nose is hitting the wave, you're accelerating up the wave, not too much where you're going to throw yourself over, yep. but enough to push yourself so you're not going to get thrown Decent sideways. Force behind it. Yeah, yep. just pushing yourself nicely and it's all... F- I don't, do you how do you ha- learn this? I don't know. I, I, I don't have the right answer to you. It's the feel, though. Cause it's always feel. That's the thing. You're changing your, your trim at times yep. with how... Oh, 100%. Um, with how you, 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 know, you, you set your bow. On you the bar, too high. Coming in, I trim it up so my nose is up so I can push up. The, like, if I need to push up, I can get up. Going out, I put my nose down because I'm trying to... You don't want that bang, no, that I flip of the bow. I don't want to go right over the top. So there's... It, it, it's not something that you could probably teach other than the fundamentals of it. So timing your ways, pick your gaps, understand it, where you're going and... Like I guess, speak to the locals. Like, is it worth going out today? If, I, if you see me, yeah. if you're new to the Bar and River, and you see me at the ramp, and just say, "Hey, uh, uh, hey, Red, what do you reckon the bar's going to be like today?" And I'll say, "Don't, don't, I don't think it's going to be great." Yeah. If I'm going out, it's, it's a river it, day. For me, today. <laughs> exactly. If I'm going out, it's a bit different. I've lived in Ocean Grove my whole life, and I fished yeah. that bar. Like, it's di- different. I know the bar. If you're not as comfortable, I wouldn't be going. Just don't do it. Like, yeah. it's not worth a snapper. Yeah. Like, it's only a fish. It, where my other my other explanation for it is when I get people asking me when can I cross these bars is the best explanation I can give you is if it's too rough to cross, it's probably too rough to be fishing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like it generally, like yep. even at home we get these big swells. It's even on a northerly and it's glass calm. That swell out there, the bottom fish is crap. It really does. Yeah. It just yep. does. It's we, not it gets be fun. affected all the time. Where even after swell, it can be crap. It can take the like as a charter boat operator, but. Back in the day, excuse me, flathead fishing. You'll be drifting for flathead, and after a big swell, you go back out in the flathead. So simple it is. Where are the flathead? Because you've got to remember, the swell pushes these flathead around on the bottom. Yeah. So yeah. they might push out into the deeper water. You're going to find them out wider. Yeah. So, like, it, it does play a role down there. And even, like, the reef fish, just your wrasse, sometimes they're harder to catch. But, um, yeah, crossing a bar, you're just going to have to be 
Yeah, it's a learning curve. It really, I don't have the right answer for you other than the fundamentals of the basics of crossing a bar. Let's head to New South Wales. There's big flathead out of the Georges River at the moment, hearing some really good reports in the 70s plus, and it's a mixture of bait. And obviously the utopia for any flathead fisherman is catching them on the soft plastics. And Amazing the swim baits. You'd be shocked with the size of the swim baits. I was about to say that. I've seen, I actually saw during the week, it was, it was pretty much, it was from the States, but it was an imitation of whiting. Like it was huge. It Lee looked Rainer exactly sent like me a, a photo of a, I think it was an 86 centimetre flathead. And the swim bait didn't even go across its mouth. Like, it's fitting in its mouth. Like, phenomenal what these things will eat. It shows you, yeah, I was going to say, it shows you how aggressive these well, fish a, are. Is it a protection thing? Is it a feeding thing? It's a bit everything, I think. It's, yeah. I mean, up there with the Australian bass, which are obviously incredibly aggressive, like, there's not too much that passes the mouth of a, of a big, hungry flathead. And there's different rules and regs, obviously, on your flathead um, with what size you can keep with duskies, etc. So be mindful of where you're fishing and whatnot for those. But... As an overall, like, I spent Friday last week out. I, we, we, I had 40 flathead for myself, right? Yep. And we ate all 80 fillets. <laughs> this well, was a few weeks, this is a few weeks ago, over three weeks. Fish, yeah. and the kids just crunch it. And, yeah. like, they're a bit smaller. Like, you might have six fish per person. Six fillets, sorry. So three yeah. fish. But, but you never get the same. Wraps. You never get but, the same flathead size that you do in the estuary systems. No, but they're a lot bigger there. But yeah. you tend to release those fish. But in the ocean, yeah. they're an all-round unbelievable fish. Like they're to eat. They're I reckon they're the best. Uh, Monty Island snapper, very good during the week. Micro yes, jigs to seventy centimeters. Yes. It's a big size snapper, and good numbers of them too. So that's really, really good to see. Monty just keeps fishing very, very well uh, for those snapper and Batesman's Bay. He's just on fire still for those. Yeah. Snapper. I just can continually see in reports. Uh, for that, uh, Queensland, Yapoon, Red Emperor, Goldens, fishing very, very well. Another thing, um, after a little uh, closure period with the Pelagics, uh, Mission Beach fishing very well during the week, fishing off the, the reefs. Your dad had a sook to me. Some very uh, big... A few um, weeks ago. Yeah, he did. Well, we went up there a couple of weeks ago. For, At the boat for, show. For those interested. Yes. And we caught some ripping Spanish mackerel. But at the time, it was... Closed for a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Um, it's my favourite favorite eating fish. Your dad goes, I caught my biggest mackerel ever. I caught this. And then Pat said to me, I have to throw it back. Yep. He was, he was not happy. No, his flow's attack. He was done. Some big <laughs> GTs caught off the reefs around Hitchinbrook as well. If there's a fish that gets people excited, it is GTs. Uh, and the other one, the, the, the Hull River, some nice barramundi caught out of there as well. As we head over to the west and your boys, the Jazz Charters. Right? Yeah, they just do what they do. They just catch fish all the time. Snapper. Uh, snapper. A couple of kings mixed in. So very good fishing with Jazz Charters. But also those fads that we spoke about last week, already a couple of dolphin fish caught off those too. So yeah. they've already kicked in the gear. And the metro beaches are seeing some dewfish caught as well. When it comes to mahi-mahi, dolphin fish, mm-hmm. um, they, they're obviously a schooling fish. So is it one of those ones if you can keep it, a fish on the side of the boat, they'll <laughs> hang around? Nah, it doesn't work as, like, as well like that. Not like kingfish. Yeah. Uh, they do follow and So whatnot. just get them in. There's that, they're, you got to remember that they, they're probably holding on something. Yeah, okay. So yep. they're going to be there. So what I mean by that is whether it's a fad, whether it's a bit of seaweed, whether they're it's They're not a following log, the fish. They're, they're sticking to they the structure. They might come with it and then they'll head back to the structure. They know yep. where it is. They, yep. So just follow the structure. That's the best uh, I can give you. And I love catching them. They're, if I had a fish to give an icon for the country, it'd have to be a dolphin fish, wouldn't it? Murray Cod. But if you were to put it on a coin or a note... No, I'm not saying it's not a beautiful fish. It's just not an iconic Australian fish. You don't reckon? Not at all. Paul Worsling put it up during the week. That's where I stole it from. I, was, I agreed with him. 
That that's, that's rubbish. A beautiful golden yellow fish. Nah, it's got our no, it's, it's got our colours. No, nah. it's got our colours as a, nah. a national fish. No, nah, it's in other parts of the world. But it's how good are the colours that matches our country, Patrick? No, nah, mafia. I'm backing it in. <laughs> South Australia, land-based, riding very thick at Walkers Rocks, Alston. There's also plenty of salmon too. Bag limit captures land-based. Bag limit. Alston, like, not bad. Where's that? Alston. You know where that is? No. <laughs> Didn't you live there? South Australia. Next door neighbour down there. I'll have to ask Ned McHenry. But that's la- literally land-based. Fishing very, very good. Bulgoan, uh, Bulgoan charters as well. Fishing very, very good on the whiting. So they also got their clients bag limit captures, which is really, really good to see. And then heading to the Apple Island, as you call it, South Esk holding plenty of small brown trout. Are you uh, on Google Maps there looking for Elston? Perhaps. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did. I did. I didn't want to get abused. Uh, South Esk holding plenty of small browns and rainbows, and they're coming in all on soft plastics, which is really good to see. You just do that, and I'll finish this report. We've actually got it's a long way from Adelaide. I'll give you the odd tip. Whereabouts is it? There it is. Oh, so it's on the other side of the Gulf, north so, of north of Port Lincoln. Yes. Well, that's fishing very. What did I say? Was fishing good for whiting? No, sorry. No, no. Small browns and yeah. No, you were talking about that. Anyway. Oh, yeah, whiting. Yeah, I'll let's, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Um, Not Bur- our best work there. <laughs> Bernie, the squid are going excellent with bag limit captures on offer. So uh, very, very good. 15, uh, sorry, there's uh, seen a couple of bags of 15 squid being caught, which is very good. And they're quite big squid as well. Salmon caught out of the Port River was the other report, as well as the... Southern Bluefin Tuna and Port Lincoln. Obviously, Ned McHenry spent last week down there and the fishing continues to be red hot out of Lincoln. Uh, Victoria. Actually, no, have we done Tassie? We did, Tassie. You just chucked in another Adelaide report. I was just letting you go there. Well, you know, it's my old home. That's all right. Port Phillip Bay. (laughs) Uh, On fire. Snapper well and truly going. And we had a review, so I really hope that helps you out catching some fish. (laughs) So if it doesn't, I'll be sacked. Uh, Western Port Whiting and Snapper. Going nuts as well. Yep. Portful of Bay Whiting. Change of the tide, that moon the best time to hit those fish. The snapper? Yes. Let it run. Yep. Let the tide run a bit. Yep. So if the tide's at 10.20... So you don't need to be there at the top of the tide. As it just changes, you can wait a little bit and then hit it as there's real water movement. Yeah, I like, just you can, I'd anchor as the slack water's there, and as it runs, that's when you're going to get your fish. Yeah, nice. Either in Port Phillip. It fishes very well. Still a few barrels at Portland. And uh, JC Bait and Tackle reports this week, the Wukul River, uh, the Yallas, as he calls it, they're on Yallas, fire still. The Lake Charm, Redfin come on the bite, very, very good. Small lures, blades and soft plastics. And Lake Merrin is also a hotspot for Redfin at the moment, uh, catching people catching 100 fish within a day of fishing from the bank. You know so the other one, um, and we forgot about this, but was Lake Hume. There's some, speaking of Yallas, the... Uh, they were massive fish, well over 40 centimetres. And I know well, you accused that, the... That bloke is about as talented, he's as talented as me. He's as, as, as yep. talented as me he's taking a photo. So makes a three-kilo fish look 10. Fisheries Vic posted a couple of beautiful pictures. Lockie had, a, uh, had, had one on the front cover of it, and it was a significant <laughs> fish. It was actually already tagged. Anyway, that was the whip around. He won some money off that golden tag. He did. That was the whip around for Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. You're listening to Real Adventures. 
You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive sea covers with protection like no other. And Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine. Now time for All Aboard, Fimuldura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. My special guest this morning is Billy Parsons from Response Life Jackets. Good morning, Billy. Morning, Paddy. How are you? Now, you are and have been in the industry for a very long period of time. J.M. Gillies' Response Life Jackets has been a, a new project over the last few years, and there's been some some pretty exciting updates, I think, for fathers out there that have to deal with their children's um, lack of interest in wearing a life jacket and the challenges that we, that come with putting a um, a small mattress around their children. This is this is pretty good stuff, I reckon, mate. It is, yeah. And, and a lot of it's obviously fishing related because dads want to spend as much time on the water as they can um, going in, especially for fish abiding. But we've also had a lot of um, a lot of response and a lot of feedback with just p- people just generally out boating, whether they're, you know, skiing or just, you know, leisure craft boating. Um, you know, if it's hot, um, you know, and the kids are uncomfortable, then it's not that enjoyable. So, yeah, no, it's been... It's been good, but it's been a lot of work, and and <laughs> it's a great product, so we're we're quite happy with it, and so are the dads. So let's let's talk through it. So my young son George, he's six years of age, and it's it's fine to get him in the the, the jacket at the start because he understands. All right, if you're going to go in the boat, you're going to wear the life jacket. But if we're going to be out for five or six hours, which he's gotten better at now, it becomes a handful. Now he can wear what what I wear, what Dad wears. Um, the safety element of it, how does it work? Because obviously, as an adult, you understand if you fall into the water, how things work when it comes to inflatable life jackets. Kids, it's a bit of a different story, though. Yeah, so this part of the standard, this is a, this is the new uh, 2022 AS standards. Part of the standard for this jacket is that it has to auto-inflate. So, um, you know, if you fall in, you know, you can decide whether you want to wear an automatic or you want to wear an inflatable. Um, and obviously, w- w- if you wear a manual, then you've you've got to, you know, pull the cord and inflate it yourself. Whereas, you know, as you said, the kids can panic or or something else can can distract them, and and um, this jacket will go off automatically. So there's little little um, chemical sort of canister inside the mechanism that reacts to water and uh, will inflate in under ten seconds. So it's um so it's, you know it is a, it is a great safety device because if worse comes to worse and you know as a as a father you know you happen to you know be away from the kid or you, you might you might get you know hit by something or or knocked out um you know that the, the kid's jacket's going to go off without you know without any any um, fear so what about your investment in the, the mechanisms around inflation, where have they com- come from? How much time have you put into the development of those? We use a mechanism, uh, a Harky-Roberts mechanism from the US. Um, you know, they're probably the gold standard as far as mechanisms go. Um, you know, the, the factory where these mechanisms are made also make heart valves and all sorts of stuff for surgery. So their quality control and you know, the product itself, you know, is is the best on in, in market. Um, 
there is a lot of jackets in the market where the the mechanisms are you know from Asia and probably don't have the same quality control. They don't have the same um, design, and I think you know um, we've never we've never gone down the path of using any of those cheaper mechanisms. We've always gone with these USA made. Harky Roberts, they make the mechanisms, you know, that are in the jackets in all the planes. Um, you know, they're the gold standard when it comes to, to mechanisms for jackets. So, you know, we've always used those and, and are confident using those. We were chatting off air around um, the, the servicing of life jackets, which I don't think everyone is always aware of. Um, but part of this is um, the, the three-year window, which in terms of life jackets is as good as it gets. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, you have to you, you still have to self service them uh, every year, which basically involves you know weighing the bottle, which is the the air that fills the jacket up. So you've got to weigh the bottle, and all the bottles have got a print uh, a printed weight on them. So as long as your bottle is weighed and is in, within a certain range of that printed weight, then that's fine. And then you've got to inflate the bladder, which you do with the oral mouthpiece overnight, make sure that holds its inflation. Um, and then it's then you you basically document that on the inside of the jacket. There's a there's a provision on the inside of the jacket where you can document that stuff, and that's all you have to do from a from a, um, a servicing perspective. Uh, and then every three years with this particular jacket, then you, then you need to take it to a professional service agent who who does a few more tests and um, is qualified to then uh, license it for another three years to, to so you can do your own own testing so so that you know that's it's important that people do that um from the point you know from the date of purchases when your life jacket becomes active so from the date of purchase 12 months after that you need to do a self-service in every 12 months up until that three-year point where you get a an agent to do it for you and it's certainly one of those things that have become more front of mind when it comes to um the the pit stops that happen with water police um this is front of mind around what police will go through when it comes to all the requirements that you need to have in your boat. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if, if, if you've got a jacket that that's a bit old and, you know, banged up and, and looks like it hasn't been serviced, then, you know, they will, they will find you, um, you know, if you, you can't produce that self-service information, which is easily marked on the inside of the jacket and, uh, if you can't produce a receipt to say that um, you know you bought that jacket inside the 12 months and it should have been serviced, then then you know you take it upon yourself to to you know possibly get fined for that. And you know, so I suppose it's in you know it's in your own interest to have a proper um, you know a proper self you know serviced or serviced uh, jacket. Um, these mechanisms do indicate um, with a with a green light or a green um, indicated that the jacket's active and if the bottle you know the bottle's removed or you know something's not quite right the mechanism will actually show red which will mean that the jacket's not active and they've all the new jackets have got to have a window um to view the mechanism so you can see whether it's green and, and ready to go or it's red and you know something's not quite right so there's a lot of there's a lot of safety built into to jackets these days particularly in these new standards that you won't see in some of the some of the older standards, which unfortunately can can still be can still be sold in in the market. So uh, you really want to be in a two thousand and minimum two thousand and fifteen standard jacket. Um, 
Otherwise, you know, a 2022 like these new kids ones are. If you want any more information on these new kids' jackets from Response, jmgillies.com.au is where you can find the information. Hey, Billy, just before we let you go, the other new one for dads, more importantly, certainly for me, um, not that uh, kids aren't important, but the Storm Rider Soft Shell Jacket um, is new, it's out, and it is far more compact than what we've seen before. Tell us a little bit about that before we let you go. Yeah, look, it's, you know, particularly in Victoria and, and some of the colder climates, you know, you can be out, as you know, snapper fishing and it's 30 degrees and everything's fine and then the change comes through and it's, you know, it's 15 degrees and, and you're freezing. So this jacket's an all-in-one. It's a wearable soft-shell jacket, um, you know, that's got a built-in, that's got a built-in inflatable. So it's a manual inflatable. Um, you know, we've got these five sizes in it. Um, you know, right up to a three XL, three to four, I think three XL to four XL. So, um, so yeah, you just pop that on. It's always hard when you're wearing just a basic um, inflatable jacket. You know, if you put a jacket over the top of that, then it's not going to inflate properly. And then if you've got a jacket underneath it, it can be a bit uncomfortable. So the the Storm Rider jacket is just an all-in-one, you know, um, jacket you can wear on the water. You know, when it's a bit cooler. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, particularly in the southern states, um, it's been great. But even, you know, even as, even in southern Queensland, you know, it can get cool there in, in mornings when you've got to do bar crossings and things like that. So um, it's been sold right around the country, but certainly more so in Victoria and Tassie and South Australia and those colder climates. Beautiful work. If you want more information, once again, on the Stormrider Soft Shell Jacket, jmgillies.com.au. That is Billy Parsons for Response Life Jackets. All for all aboard. Fimildura, unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Reds Review for Club Marine. Boating's just better with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Now it's time for Red's Review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine. We spoke off the top of the show, and I jumped the gun a little bit around the rods and reels. Didn't read the run sheet, did you? To use when snapper fishing. And you said, hold your horses. We're going to wait for Red's Review, and that's us now. So the rods I use, straight up, Atomic Arrows. Very affordable, good rod. Yep. Roughly that. 15 to 25 pound. Unbelievable rod to use. So yeah, you go... affordable. So you go into the store and you ask for a 15 to 20 pound rod. Is it written on it? It's like for those yep. looking to get into it, how do I, how do I identify so that this is how big the rod is? Back just above the handle, pretty much. Most of the riding will be there on pretty much all your rods. You want something 20 to 30 pound, 15 to 25 pound. You don't want much more heavy than that if you're fishing for snapper in Port Phillip Bay. Yep. Matched with a 5,000 reel, but I'm going to get into the reels in a second. But Atomic Arrow is what I like. It's very affordable. You can get them for on sale for like 150 bucks. Yep. And they will do everything. They're a really, really good quality rod for the price you pay. And we should say, this will catch you more than just a snapper. Oh, 100%. They'll catch you gummies, yep. small gummies and whatnot, even big gummies. But the rubbish fish that come with the gummies can be tougher on the lighter rod. Yes. But you can use them for quite a lot. Pla- heavier plastics fishing, all yep. the light casting for... Just school tuner out sure have fun getting them in because they're a bit harder but they will work so we've got our atomic arrow which is your base model which yep. is 
When I say base model, I'll say it again. This is a quality rod for the price. It seriously is a good rod. So if you want to spend moving, a little bit more, what do we got? Moving to the Elevate. That's a beautiful... So Samurai Elevate. That's a beautiful rod. So that's the rod I just got the new one sent to me. Uh, I've only used them a couple of times now, and they are lovely to use. They're a bit, I think they're about that $350 mark. What's the difference between a Arrow and an it, Elevate? It's just the quality that quality of, I guess, material that goes into the rod itself. Gotcha. So the, I think... All the eyes are the same. They're all Fuji eyes. They're all quality there, but it's the quality of the rod. It's just yep. the different blanks that yep. goes into it. The more yep. expensive, so it's a bit lighter, a bit nicer. Even though the atomic, like between them, they nearly weigh the same. Like that's how good the atomic arrows is. But then you go into the next watch. So that's about three hundred and fifty dollars. Yep. The uh, Elevate. Then you move into the next one, which is the Samurai Reaction. Now these are the rods I love to use, but they're going to cost you. With that comes the yep. price. Yeah. Now the reason that I have these reels right, uh, rods right, is. Uh, once like we're supported very well through Samurai, yep. and I to be honest with you, I wouldn't probably buy these rods if I had to pay full price for them yep. because for what I use them for and the way I use gear, it just I the rod is unbelievable to use, and yeah. I probably have, maybe have a couple of them for certain fishing, but they're I love these rods. Okay, they're yep. unbelievable, but they're as good can, as it gets. But I can catch the same fish that I can catch on that Atomic Arrows. Yeah, we're not saying you but can't do that. But if you want the best of the best... It's as good as it gets. Yep. And you're talking like between six fifty and $800 for these, yep. depending if you get it on sale or not. So you might get yep. it. So they are very... So you can get your whole rack of rods of Atomic Arrows for one or two rods of these. Yep. That's the difference that I'm stating for you guys. So if you've got a little bit bigger budget and whatnot, and you've been saving for a bit, these reactions are so light. They are so good to use. I, like, I notice the difference between them and when yep. I'm using them every day. Also, they go into the effect of when, for example, if you go up to Xmouth and you start casting plastics around and stuff, they'll handle a little bit more and Correct. just the quality that goes into them. It's the quality of the blank, again, yep. that goes into them. So there your price range here, Rod. Starting from 150 right up to the top of your range, the Samurai Reaction. So there are different different, <laughs> different prices, but they will, once again, all catch you the same, all catch fish. the same fish. Yep. Yeah. Uh, especially Snapper. Now, heading into the reels. Snapper, five thousands. Yep. You can go four thousands. You can go six thousands if you want. But a five average it out, five thousand. Yep. I run thirty pound braid on my five thousands, and they are perfect. Yep. Now price range again, depend what you want to spend. Yep. Three hundred and fifty bucks. I roughly think the Stratics are. I've got three of yep. five thousands. I've got, and the new Stratics are so. They're good. as good as the Blaze Stellars. So they are so good. They are honestly. 5,000 Stratics is what I run. Yep. You can go down to the Sedonas and you can go down to cheaper reels. Uh, but I would be spending more money yeah, on a reel than a yep. rod. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think you'll benefit more spending more money on a reel than a rod. And this, this rod can just do everything. Uh, sorry, this reel can do everything. Uh, 5,000, such a versatile I've caught reel. 40 kilo tuna on them, yep. offshore, and people go, you're yep. talking crap. Not, I've not caught one. I've caught hundreds yep. <laughs> of tuna on these reels. Yep. Uh, have I pushed them through the paces a little bit and probably pushed them too hard for their use? Yeah, I burnt a few out. But I'm talking they're ca- they've caught like 50 southern bluefin tuna up to 40 kilo that are just screaming line out. And it's just too much on the 20th fish. Like, yeah. where if you stuck to what they're used for, like traditionally, which is your snapper, your bottom flooded fishing, your nana guy, your reef fishing and the likes, you won't have a drum in the world. They'll last you as long as you can, as long as you, as long as you want them to, if yeah. you look after them. Because the top of the range is all the... As you head to the top, you obviously go to the Twin Power or the Shimano Stella yep. that all sit around the $1,200. Which I think it's too expensive. Tw- uh, 
Twin Power reckons 800 and there. Yeah, just yeah. under the stellar. But yeah. I wouldn't be spending. I know we just said spend more money on a reel. I don't think you need to get anything better than a Stratic to catch a snapper, Not for snapper. in Port Phillip Bay. No, I agree with that. 5,000 Stratic yeah. is cover yeah. you on all bases. So that's your rod and reel, and that's Red's review for uh, what you need for a snapper. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine. You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive sea covers with protection like no other. And Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine. Welcome back to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine. Red's tip this week is all around snapper and bridling. Can you explain what bridling is? Not really. My brain hurts. Are, are we are we like jumping on horses? Like for those that and bridling fish, like through the nose. No, we're not. We're bridling the boat, Patrick. Gotcha. So what we're doing is we're creating a triangle with our anchor rope and another rope to turn our boat and face the way that the tide's running. So what I mean by that is, let's dumb it down. Please to my, do to my brain level. No, to uh, mine. <laughs> so. Right, you, you lost me at trying, mate. If I'm, I'm going to fish. I've already put the anchor in. So what am I adding to that? So tide, you've dropped the anchor. Yes, and the tide's pulling to your right. Yep. So your back of your boat's facing out, and your rod, you cast your rods out the back, and you're beautiful. Then all of a sudden, the tide pulls your lines all the way side. to the right to the side. And you spoke about wanting to have like four to six rods, and all yep. of a sudden, all those lines are bunched together. Each other. So what we're going to do is. You're going to send your mate. Never do it yourself. You always send your mate up the front. <laughs> you need someone to And you clip him. the bridle on the front. Yes, got you. Clip the, on the outside of the boat. Yep. Clip the bridle on. You can get them for 10 bucks, 12 bucks, 15 bucks from BCF, whatever they are. Clip them on the front. There's all different types. Yep. Clip it on the front. You have the rope. Throw the rope back to your mate at the back of the boat. Runs, or to, sorry, your mate throws it to you because you don't want to get up the front of the boat. It's too hard. Runs down the side runs of the boat. Runs down the side of your boat. And then your mate holds the rope. You get back in the boat. You walk to your anchor button, press down. Yep. What happens is that bridle where you're attached, it goes goes Un- down. Underwater. Under the water. And what you're going to do then is now you're going to have a triangle from where your anchor is from your boat to the ground, and then you're going to have that bridle which comes back to your boat. And where do you attach this bridle to? So what you're going to do is you're going to get your mate to stand in the back corner. Well, sorry, you can, or your mate now, you don't have to be as lazy getting through the cabin. Pull the boat around on that back, and you're basically trying to take the tension of the anchor rope on the back of your boat. And you're so creating like, a, like a stern cleat or something. Back of your cleat. Yep. yep. So tie it to your cleat, and you can pull yourself around as much as you want. What you need to be mindful is, 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 is this is a tip where the fish are. So there's no point in bridling up because what happens is. If the fish are on the other side of you, or if you, or if they are behind your boat, but you bridle up, and as soon as you bridle, you create a different angle to where your boat is because you've pulled it against the wind. The whole boat moves to create that angle that we just spoke about. So it might take you two or three goes to get it. It's worth the effort to get on top of the fish. Which will help you catch more. It will go hard. It will not only help you catch more. It'll. You wonder why I got anger problems sometimes because wind against tide in the bay and but this whatnot, is the best you've ever explained it. So well, good well, on you. My brain's hurting, but basically. What I'm trying to say is you bridle up, it will allow you to be a bit more relaxed on the boat because your lines will sit better. You'll be casting the same direction as the tide and you not only will it hold you there, it'll stop you from swinging as well. It reduces your swing. So you more move where the rods are. They might drag a little bit, but you don't have that full 
probably 240 degree swing where you go right around one way and right around the other way, not quite 360, but a bit more than 180. So it's, it's, it's a very, very good technique to help you catch more fish. And it's now time for the flying gaff, Patrick. Two gaffs. Two, what do we got? One gaff is heading to the cost of snapper, 25 bucks a kilo. This is your gaff. I'm reading it. And you're saying that is incredible value. So go out and buy yourself some snapper. No, I'm not happy with it. Well, you want it to be more. Well, the effort that it takes to catch a snapper. All right. So it should be more because these, what are, these are line, So these are line caught fishermen, right? Uh, fish, sorry. These yes. are line caught. So in Port line, Phillip Bay. In Port Phillip Bay. And it's $25 a kilo. There. Yes, Snake Bang. There's the photo. Yep. Twenty-five dollars. Yes, I love kilo. how you reference the yep, photo. Yeah, I just wanted to radio. prove. I just it's had good. to show Patrick, and I'm not talking rubbish. Twenty-five dollars a kilo for snapper. These blokes here, they get up at two, three, sometimes fish all night in the morning. They all night. Yep. Not an easy gig. No. And they're only getting. Well, they're getting bugger all when you. Well, they've got to pay for fuel. They've got to pay for their decky. They then go out in the elements, right? Yep. Elements. It could be twenty knots, and they've still got to be there, freezing cold, raining, whatever it is. They've then. Got to hope they catch fish yes. because fish don't, they're not like cows in a paddock. You don't know if they're there all the time. So well, I think I these, I think that these guys deserve more than $25 a kilo for a snapper. It was a snapper show. So I think they deserve more than $25 a kilo for snapper, especially when whiting and flathead during the week was well over the 80 kilo, $80 mark. And they are still using nets and whatnot around, not in Port Phillip and Western Port, but when. They are. They're still using nets. Like, netting's a bit easier than line-caught snapper, in my opinion. Do they deserve a better dollar? I think they do. Well, you've taken up all the time the gaff. You know, <laughs> Sorry. The gaff, I, I can't remember the name of the um, car place that was selling it. Suzuki Jimny, two-door. It's maybe like, maybe 400 bucks worth of steel in that car. $50,000. Not happy with the car. Gemini. The car industry is, that the is one? Gemini? just... Jimny? It's out of car industry's mate. done. That's real adventures. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoy the show. And this has been Real Adventures, and it's great to have Club Marine join the show once again for this summer. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Discover why boating's just better with Club Marine.